I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. In 2008, I gave up my 20-year career as a fashion buyer because I was disillusioned with how much product was being sourced overseas and I set out to uncover some of the amazing businesses that were still making in Britain. Since founding Make It British, I've discovered that there is not only still tons of manufacturing taking place in the UK, but that it's a thriving industry. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be telling the stories behind some of the best British-made brands and manufacturers and offering advice to those that want to make in the UK. So with no further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Make It British podcast. On today's show, I want to dig a little deeper into pricing and why, despite what some people think, it's not always more expensive to make in the UK. But before I do, and before we get into the main part of the show, I just want to tell you a little bit about something that I'm currently running, which may be of interest to you. It is a digital online course for those of you that want to find out more about working with UK manufacturers. I'm going to be working hand in hand with a small group of people to help them not only find their perfect manufacturers, but guide you through the process every step of the way. So if you'd like to find out more about that, you can get more details by going to makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash get set course. And I'll put the link for that in the show notes. Right. Now let's talk about prices. More importantly, how you can sell a garment made in the UK and still make just as much profit as if you were making the same product overseas. Now, the reason I wanted to cover this was because it was something that Jenna Holloway touched upon briefly in the interview that I did with her on the previous episode, number 21. She talked about how she was able to make ethically, and so she's able to manufacture ethically in her clothing factory in North London um, for very profitable retailers like ASOS. And what it all comes down to, I believe, is gross margin versus net margin or intake versus exit margin, as it's sometimes referred to in retail. So what is the difference between gross margin and net margin when it comes to costing a product? And why does it matter when you're making in the UK? So let's take the example of making a garment in the UK, for instance, and the various costs that are involved in the cost price that you would receive from the manufacturer. So the cost price might include things like fabric, dyeing, printing, if there's something printed on it, cutting, stitching of the garment, obviously, labelling, the pressing and also the packing, plus any additional factory overheads that the factory adds on to that cost price. So they'll add on things to cover their rent, their tax and their insurance and stuff like that. So when you compare a cost price for a garment that's made here in the UK to one that's made overseas, often people are only just looking at those factors. So the simple gross margin coming from the cost price of what it costs to make in the UK versus overseas. And when you look at it like that, yeah, the price making in the UK, you know, it's sometimes double what it might be to make overseas. And that's because the labour in the UK is obviously a lot higher. However, what you also need to factor in into that 
um, ex-factory price are some of the other costs involved with manufacturing overseas. So that might be things like shipping and duty. Um, I mean, that can cost, you know, a pound upwards or so on a you know, just on a simple T-shirt, depending on the size of your order and how it's shipped. So if it's a small order sent by courier or flown over to the UK, um, the shipping costs are going to be quite high. Plus, who knows what's going to happen to shipping and duty with, with Brexit. When I'm recording this in 2019, shipping and duty, no one knows. No one can predict what that might cost. It's That's kind of scary. And you've also then got agents' costs involved. So if you're a small brand and you work with an overseas factory, you may very well be using an agent and they'll help you liaise with the factory and the production overseas, but they'll also add their fee on top. And then if you're a big buyer for like for one of the retailers, you're probably also working with you know a company, a large supplier between you and the factory. You might not be working directly with the factory. And that big supplier might have a design team that you've got to cover the cost for, technical teams, an office in Hong Kong, and they'll add on their costs and overheads to the factory cost price. So as well as your shipping, your duty and your agents or supplier costs, you've also got exchange rates. So what, what if the date you place the order and you agree the price of the product, the value of the pound drops after that. So the price you were quoted ends up being something different when it actually comes to pay for the product because of the value of sterling. So three other factors there to take into consideration. But then you've also, as well as those being like the obvious costs to add on to a cost price to get a better picture, you've also got the hidden costs. The hidden costs often get factored into a business's total overheads rather than directly associated to a particular product, which is why they, they kind of get hidden. Uh, but they, So they might affect their overall business margin and profitability, but they're not always accounted for and they're very rarely accounted for when it comes to costing up an individual product. So if, you're un so if you're unsure of how a gross margin versus a net margin works, let me just explain. So the gross margin on a product is the selling price of the product minus the cost price of that product. Whereas the net margin is the selling price of a product minus not only the cost price, but also the cost of the business overheads. And it's these overheads and the often hidden overheads, which many businesses, both large and small, don't take into account to don't take in account into account of when they're looking at the cost of a UK made product compared to one that is made overseas. Let me give you an example of, say, a T-shirt. So if you're buying a product from an overseas um, manufacturer, your overheads related to buying that t-shirt might include, so the hidden costs might include flights and accommodation to go out and visit the factory and any expenses while you're there on that trip. And that can run into the thousands when you're talking about buying teams going out to, um, to factories overseas. You've then got courier costs to send samples backwards and forwards. And because the communication may be an issue if you're not working closely with a factory because they're not on your doorstep or they're speaking a different language. You know, you can't underestimate how many times you may fly a product, a garment in particular, backwards and forwards in order to get it right. And then the third thing you've got after the travel costs and the courier costs is markdown. And that 
This is the big geek. Okay? This is one of the main reasons that some of the most switched on buyers and retailers are now looking more at making in the UK. It's because they're looking at their markdown costs and factoring that into the profitability of each product. It's the reason why ASOS funded Jelly Holloway a quarter of a million pounds to set up her factory in North London. It's the cost of marking down a product, i.e. putting it in the sale, and that's huge to brands and retailers. So let me give you an example. When I worked in retail, the average sell-through price on a product, so that's the amount that was sold at full price, on a fashion product, the average is about 60%. And if you've got a high fashion product, so something or something that's highly seasonal, so knitwear or swimwear, for example, or a particular very seasonal colour, then your sell through is quite often a lot lower. So especially if you've had to predict what that product's going to be months in advance when you place the order with the overseas factory. So with average order times from a Far Eastern factory being around 12 weeks from when a buyer places an order to when that order actually hits the stores, often by the time that product is is on the shelves, the customer might not want to buy it. So traditional retailers factor that into their pricing and around 40% of the products they sell are actually going into the sale and not selling at full price. That's the average. 40% of the products will be sold in the sale from these products that are shipped from overseas. Now, that markdown cost is what is rarely factored in to the cost price of each product. And instead, it, it gets absorbed into the overall business overheads and the overheads for that company and contributes to the overhaul, overall company profitability, but isn't looked at on a product-by-product product basis. So... Let me give you an example and bear with me because I'm going to do some maths here. So say I am a buyer and I buy 100 T-shirts to put in my store and I buy them in at £5 each. And I bought them, over, they've made made overseas and they've cost me £500 to produce. Um, and I put them in the stores at £12.50 each for sale. So I'm making £7.50 pro- gross profit, gross margin on those products which I sell at full price. So if I sell 100 of the T-shirts at full price, I will make, I will have £750 in my pocket. Um, If, however, I only sell 60 of those products at the full price at £12.50, but the the remaining 40, I end up selling at only a fiver. So what it costs me to make them because they're in some weird colour that I thought was all the rage when I bought them and now they've hit the stores no one wants them, um, then I've only actually made £750 at full price and £200 on the discounted ones. So are you are you with me on that one? Does that have I have I lost people with the maths? So I've got 60 um I'm selling uh, 60 teachers I'll sell at £12.50, which is £750 if I've got my RAS correct on that, and 40 at £12.50. So they make me £200, the discounted one. So in total, I've actually only taken £950. It's cost me £500 to make these t-shirts. So I've made £450 profit. And I'm not, excuse me for no putting not putting VAT on, that would have been far too complicated in this example. Just, just, just bear with me on that one. So say I made the same t-shirt in the UK and instead of it costing me £5 to make, it cost me 
um, £8. So I, if I make a buy a T-shirt for £8 and I still sell it for £12.50, but I sell all of them, I sell 100% because I bought them so close to the season on the two or three week lead time that I knew they were what my customer wanted. I've actually sold £1,250 worth of T-shirts, which cost me £800 to make. So I've also made £450 on the UK made T-shirts. So I've made the same amount of profit um, with the ones made in the UK. And it's because those hidden costs that I mentioned as well um, have not been taken into account when you're looking at the Far Eastern made t-shirts or the t-shirts made overseas compared to the ones in the UK. And that is why the most switched on of buyers, buyers and retailers at the moment are looking at their net margins and the total cost of making a product and what the profitability of each product works out at when you take all the other factors into consideration. So that's what's known as the exit margin, sometimes called the cash margin or the net contribution. And that's that's um, that's what that is. So if you, if you hear that mentioned, retailers use some of those terms sometimes. That's what the difference is. So I hope that example helped because I want to, you know, before you say that UK manufacturing is expensive, stop and have a think. Are you comparing like for like and eggs to eggs? Or have you actually really dug down into the numbers and looked at the potential profitability of each product if it's made in the UK compared to one overseas? Now, I realised that was quite a lot to take in there and there was a few bits of maths that I threw into the equation. Excuse the pun. So what I will do, I will put some of this into the show notes. I will put the calculation I used there as an example so you can see it written down and you'll find the show notes for this podcast at makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash 022. That's the numbers 022. And I also wrote an article on the Make It British blog a while back um, explaining more. And also um, I had a visual diagram of how this all works with the gross margin versus the net margin on um, garments produced in the UK. And I'll pop a link to that in the show notes too. Great. I hope you found this useful. I will uh, be back again next time. I've got an interview for you next. Um, Until then, bye bye. If you're interested in discovering UK manufacturers from the fashion, textiles and homeware sectors, you should definitely come to our trade show, Make It British Live. The next event is taking place on the 29th and 30th of May 2019 at the Business Design Centre in London. With over 200 exhibitors, inspiring talks just like the ones you've been listening to on this podcast and interactive workshops, it's the perfect place to network with others that want to see UK manufacturing thrive again. Registration is now open. Just go to makeitbritishlive.com forward slash register to register for a free ticket. If you're a British-made manufacturer or brand and want to find out how your business can benefit from being involved in the show, just visit makeitbritishlive.com forward slash exhibit, fill out a short questionnaire and one of my team will get straight back to you. To reach out to me personally, the best place to do this is via LinkedIn. Just look up Kate Hills and you'll find me. 
You'll also find me on Twitter at Make It British and Instagram at Make It British too. For all show notes for these podcasts, just go to makeitbritish.co.uk forward slash podcast and you'll find all the details. And make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing in iTunes, Stitcher or whichever is your preferred podcast app. And I really would love it if you left me a little review on iTunes. The more reviews this podcast receives, the more people will discover it and the more we can spread the word about making in the UK. Thanks once again for listening to the Make It British podcast. Bye.